0: Welcome to the Unconventional RD Podcast, where we inspire dietitians to think outside of the traditional employment box and create their own unconventional income streams. We'll talk all things online business to help you start, grow, and scale your own digital empire. Today on the podcast, we have Betsy Ramirez here to tell us all about using video in our business in 2020. And video is something that I find super interesting, but don't actually know that much about. So I am really looking forward to this interview and I hope you guys and myself learn a lot today. So thank you so much for being here, Betsy. Hey, Erica. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. So you're kind of known for your expertise in video, but looking back through your background, I saw that you got your start in the supermarket industry. So could you tell us more about maybe how you ended up pivoting towards video and and how that all went down?
1: Well, I'm about as unconventional as they come. My path has never been one that was focused and clear. Transition has pretty much become my middle name. I blame my husband for that, <laughs> but I, I don't like being boxed in. I did start out in the supermarket industry, and I really think that was the framework that has helped me get to where I am today. It was one of the first supermarket RDs, so that's kind of showing my age. Back in the 90s, I was one of just like 10, and it was in its infancy And we got to build programs from the ground up. So I started out with like cooking classes and supermarket tours and community involvement and partnerships with hospitals. And I actually started doing segments on our local TV stations. And then it grew to where I was doing TV for three different states. And then I started doing commercials within those three different states. So I was used to being on the other side of the camera. I never really had an interest in learning anything on the other side. So, you know, after I left that job because I married a military guy who's also a dietitian or married, (laughs) married dietitians. He's in the Air Force, so I decided to follow him around. And I thought, hey, let's just pivot. I love sports nutrition, always have. I love working out. I got my master's in exercise science, started consulting in Montgomery, Alabama with some athletes who ended up in the NFL, and we moved again. (laughs) And I ended up having my first child, and uh, we ended up in D.C., and then Oklahoma with the second child, and back to D.C., and then overseas. So I'm actually about to do my eighth move and pivoting is just part of what I've done. And I've done a lot of PRN jobs and and freelance jobs within the supermarket industry since having kids and moving so much. But it really wasn't until I moved to Germany where things kind of weirdly changed that I wasn't expecting. It was, you know, the beginning of the Tasty videos in like 2014 when -hmm. all we ever saw on Facebook were these canned biscuits. And when I, when you live in Germany as a military spouse, you really don't have any job options. Those are pretty much gone. So, you know, I was blogging. I was a little bored and I thought, hey, why can't we do healthy versions of this? So I kind of teamed up with another RD and I hired this girl who was doing videography. She was a military spouse too. We did a workshop with her. I literally had like an iPad, an iPhone and nothing else. So I didn't have a fancy camera. I didn't have any of those types of things. I just wanted to learn how to do it and just jump in and see
0: how it, how it went.
1: So after about a, within nine months of creating a Facebook page, we had over 53,000 Facebook followers.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. With crappy iPhone, iPad videos. Like it was so bizarre. And then we both ended up moving and just kind of split up. And then when I moved back to the States in 2016, I was like, you know what? I should probably help some other dietitians do that because I was still trying to figure out what my path was. Like, what did I really want to do? When you lo- when you move overseas and you live there for a while, it's just a you're in a bubble. You don't really have a, the opportunities that you do here in the States. So working wasn't as much of an option for me as moving back home. So I was like, okay, let's help other people figure this out. It'll be my fun little hobby while I try to figure out what direction I want to go in. And then again, another transition, my son ends up being diagnosed with dyslexia, end up having to homeschool him and everything kind of becomes, you know, something to the side. I can't focus on trying to get him what he needs plus working. So picked up some odds and ends jobs, teach online, and then people just started coming to me for video. So it's it's kind of been this bizarre journey to, to video that if you had told me this 10 years ago, I would have been like, no way. That's definitely <laughs> not going to happen. I'm going to be a sports RD. That's what I'm going to do.
0: So here we are. <laughs> yeah. I think it speaks to, you know, you just went out and you tried something and you just learned it by doing And now you have skills that you can pass on to other RDs. Cause I mean, I haven't really taken the time honestly to learn that much about video, but it doesn't seem like it's super like intuitive. So I, I feel like there's lots of people looking for guidance. So it's, it's really great that you're providing that for our community. Yeah. So just talking about video in general, in your perspective, what do you think like the top three benefits of using video could be for dietitians?
1: Well, there's quite a lot um, of benefits that dietitians can have for video. But the first thing I always like to tell people is that video humanizes your content. And you don't necessarily have to come up with something so super fresh and new. It can actually be something that you've already done. You're just freshening up like you would go back and redo with a blog post and SEO, right? So, but there are some, you know, really good benefits too, like building your credibility and your expertise. That would be your first, probably as a dietitian, that's where we're going to go. Like building your brand, building your expertise, your credibility. But we're really not as focused on the background stuff, like video marketing and conversion rates. We're not, that's just not how our minds work but it really does boost your conversion rates. You can boost them up to 80%. So that's a big deal when it comes to trying to sell your program or your course, whatever it is you have going on. That's a big deal. 80%, yes, please sign me up. And then we don't realize how powerful the buying decisions can be, you know, pushed when you use video. So like, you know, think about it. If you go to research a product that you want to buy, do you look for a video? Most of the time, yes, you do. And that influences your purchasing decision nine times out of 10. Also something I don't think that dietitians think about is that your email conversions, your click-through rates, you can significantly increase those just by adding video. So there's uh, so many benefits. I mean, Facebook feed, social media posts, all of those things are going to have more eyes on the prize if you are doing video.
0: Yeah. And I feel like at least what I hear people saying in communities and things like that, sometimes you, people put a lot of pressure on themselves and they're like, oh, video, like it has to be this huge fancy production. But in your experience, even just like a cell phone video, even that type of video, or um, you know, just like you, you filming yourself, talking into the camera, will even that help people with their marketing?
1: Absolutely. And I think you're seeing that play out in stories, IG stories, more so than any other platform that I even Facebook Live. I think stories is kind of be the one to watch. We'll get to trends later, but I really think it gets people a lot more comfortable just by being, you know, it's behind the scenes. That's what stories is all about. People are kind of interested in that. So what's on your stove right now? You look so polished and perfect on your YouTube video. But really, what's life like behind the scenes? And and that just adds to the storytelling experience that you can get. Now, stories aren't always live, but you can do IG live. And I personally don't watch any IG lives.
0: I don't know about you. Do you watch IG lives? Only when they pop up in the preview on my regular feed, but then I rarely click to finish watching it. I'll just watch the clip. <laughs>
1: and that's what I'm, I find from most people that they don't really watch the IG lives, but they will watch Facebook live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's not even, I'm thinking about IGTV. I forgot there's also IG live. <laughs> no, I never watch IG live. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so there's IG live, there's IG TV, and there's IG stories.
0: Yes. I watch stories the most. I think you're right.
1: I think most people watch stories the most. So, but I will watch IGTV t- as well. So yeah. there's opportunities on all those platforms, but we really don't think about it. So no, you don't need a fancy camera. You just need your cell phone, If especially if you're just starting out. You really need to get comfortable if you're going to be the face of your niche or what you're trying to sell. People need to build trust with you. So yeah, you need to show your face.
0: Yeah. I think Libby Rothschild started a show your face hashtag that's like going viral in the RD community. I think that's awesome. And yeah, I think you're right. Like the main or one of the main benefits is like people feel like they know you a lot more than just reading your words. Like they're hearing you and they're seeing your face and it just builds that connection. I think a lot faster.
1: And I think that's really hard. We have a lot of RDs who are introverts you may have an, an older generation, see now I feel like I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> from a, a different point of view. Those who are 40 and older who aren't as comfortable with doing those types of things, it's really a barrier to producing video because it is so hard to be like, why does anybody want to hear me talk? You know, it's just not the world we come from. So, but I think there's so much opportunity and we just have to reframe that conversation and jump in with what you have. You don't have to be polished. If you have bigger goals, yeah, then, you know, there's other things that you can do to learn and grow.
0: For sure. So can you give us some examples of how dietitians could use video in their business and marketing?
1: Right. Okay. So... What I mainly see people doing right now is recipe videos. Of course, we have more of the educational type videos that we've talked about, but it's more informal. You'll see that more on your Facebook lives your IG stories, IGTV. Those are your more informal educational type posts. I've seen very few how to educational type videos coming from RDs. I've made quite a few promotional videos uh, for dietitians so that they can sell their programs. And then people are using video in their brand work. Those are mainly the four main areas that I've really seen video take off in our
0: community. And what, personally for you, what do you think has performed the best?
1: It depends. It's really, it depends. It depends on the niche. It depends on who your target market is and who you're working with. How big is your platform? But then you have the micro-influencer It's kind of up in the air. I think video just overall works the best. If you're not doing it, you're not doing as good as you could do.
0: I hear that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense too. It's kind of like same with blogging. It's like you could make any kind of blog really work. It's just understanding where you're trying to go and then reverse engineering the type of content you need to make to get there. Probably exactly the same with video. Oh, very much. Very much the same. Um, So. This is probably my favorite question since you're like on the ground with video stuff. Do you have any thoughts on like video related trends? Maybe we should be keeping our eyes on for 2020 since we're into the new year now. Okay, I'm going to start with the
1: the hottest one right now, I think, is TikTok.
0: Yes, please tell me everything about TikTok. I don't know that much about it.
1: <laughs> not on TikTok. I am not going to be on TikTok. Chrissy Carroll is on TikTok. She could probably speak more about it, but you're just, it's more eyes on the prize. There's, it's just a different audience. It's different people that may not have found you otherwise. So for some people that might be really exciting for others like me, I'm like, please, no, not one more platform. (laughs) One more. I can't do it anymore. But I think that there is going to be a lot going on in TikTok for sure. It has really started to explode.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I've i even seen like there are a handful of dietitians who are using it and I've really only seen positive feedback from their, like they get a lot of reach and it's really fun. I don't know. I've seen some where their voice is like auto-tuned and they're almost like singing <laughs> even though they're talking, you know what I mean? So yeah, I feel like maybe it's a cool way to reach, depending obviously who you're trying to reach, but maybe if you're going for a younger demographic, maybe they hang out there.
1: A lot of different people are on TikTok. There's- yeah. No rhyme or reason to it at all. It's just kind of like throwing mashed potatoes at the wall is the, who's going to like be on there and stick. But I think it goes back to my point I made earlier about video humanizing your content. It makes you human. It makes you a real person and it puts your face out there so that you're recognized for that, you know, given field. So Chrissy's and she's got three or four different brands. I'm not which, sure which one she's on TikTok for, but it still gives her credibility probably to drive them to every single one of her platforms, right? Yeah. So it's really interesting to watch that one for sure.
0: Okay. So TikTok number one. Right. What's next?
1: I'm still going to say Facebook. Facebook is still up there. What types of videos are going to be trending for dietitians, I think are still going to be your recipe videos. I also think that if there's a little bit of a shift into recipe videos with yourself inserted into them. So not cooking show, but like a mix of hands in pans with some FaceTime, if that makes sense. And then you'll have some you'll have some cooking style already mixed in there too. So it's kind of like a bundle, you know, anything related to cooking You have kind of those three styles, but Facebook is going to favor it if it's longer. Okay. So these one minute videos that we've kind of like conditioned ourselves to make videos for, like should only be 60 seconds. Really, that's only going to apply to Instagram now because Facebook is going to favor those longer videos.
0: Okay. And then this is sort of a random question, but when you upload a video to Facebook. Is this like something you would be doing through your page? And then like what happens to that video after it's posted? Can you organize them? Or is it just kind of like, how does that work?
1: So on your page, you have a tab called uh, publishing tools. And within the publishing tools, you have a video library where you have uploaded your your videos. And like what I did the other day, I had an old video on uh, buffalo cauliflower bites for the Super Bowl. And it was an old post that I had written and it gives you all the analytics on there. I just went in there and I created a new post with the same video and the same verbiage and off it went. So you can just continue to repost and then your analytics continue to grow on that. So you don't have to go and upload a new video every time you want to repurpose your content, which I think that's the beauty of Facebook. I actually really enjoy the pages, publishing tools and seeing how many views they got and like breaks it down by date and by peak time. And I think that's really interesting information, especially when you're, if you're trying to grow your Facebook page.
0: Yeah. And then, so let's pretend someone was a food blogger and they were making videos like that and posting it on Facebook. How do you then get them from the video to your blog or do you not? Are you just trying to get them to engage on Facebook or how does that work?
1: Well, this will take me to my third platform trend I think we're going to go to is uh, YouTube. I always upload to YouTube first and then I upload to Facebook. And then if I go into my, say my blog piece is ready to go, I will just import the YouTube link into my blog post. And that way it's all just tied between those two platforms. And of course, Instagram is totally separate if you're going on that direction. But YouTube first, then Facebook. Well, Facebook and your blog posts kind of at the same time, because you probably want to do your blog post first now that I think about it, because you have to have that link when you're going to post your recipe on Facebook.
0: Right. That makes sense.
1: So blog piece, then Facebook and Instagram.
0: And then do you put the link to the recipe in, because I've seen different things like people say, Oh, don't put the link in the, in the original caption, put it in the comments because they thought somebody like Facebook was maybe not giving as good of reach if you're sending people away. Any thoughts on that? That's the mystery
1: question of 2020. (laughs) I don't know.
0: Yeah. Trends to watch.
1: Trends to watch. See, play with it. See what works for you. Put it in the comments, put it, put it in the, um, the main part of the post. I've always put it in the main part of the post because nobody really goes to the comments in my experience.
0: Yeah. And I've also, I've, I've played around with it just within my group doing it both ways. It does. I mean, not with video, but just like if I'm linking to something, it does seem like when I put the link in the post in my group, it gets pushed down a little faster than if I don't have a link in there. But then I have had the issue where I'll put the link as the first comment and then a bunch of other people comment. And then people are like, wait, where's the link? You know, so it's a trade-off.
1: It is. And you never know what the Facebook gods are thinking. I mean,
0: it (laughs) changes all the time. For sure. Yeah. And then, so uh, do you have any other trends or was it, so TikTok... Facebook, YouTube? YouTube, for sure.
1: That's where you're going to do more of your cooking style videos. I know like Skinny Louisiana, Shelly Redmond, she shifted from Facebook Live over to YouTube and she's grown her channel pretty quickly. She would definitely be one to watch. If you're looking for someone who's new onto YouTube and is really making an impact, I think she's doing a good job of that. She started out on Facebook Live and then she just shifted everything over to YouTube. YouTube is always going to be a major player. I think that dietitians are not well represented in that area. And I think people are just super intimidated by that. I think the younger ones coming up probably won't be, but those who've kind of been here a while are kind of like, oh, it's so much effort. I don't have time, especially if you have families. That's that's a huge commitment. But Shelly's a good example. She has a family. She has a successful practice. And she's really building her empire around video. Yeah. So definitely check her out. And then... The other ones that I would look at would be, I know this is not even a platform, but stop motion video is really hot. It will continue to be really hot. And it's really, I've just added that to my menu of services and I've already completed, completed it for a major
0: company. Can you explain what that is?
1: So stop motion is where you take a series of pictures and like food items can move. A great example of that would be Perspective Portions on Instagram or on Facebook. Check her out. She does great stop motion videos and it may be that she has a line of ingredients, you know, going into her bowl one by one and it looks like that they're moving by themselves. There's no hands in pans kind of action, but it's basically just a series of still shots To make your food move, and it's been really, really cool. I took a really cool course by a girl called Trisha Zimp, and she does one specifically with food. Probably wasn't what I would do because I have all that food and recipe background knowledge, but it was a good kind of step-by-step program that kind of helped me out in the beginning. And then there's also different types of software you can use for that. That's out there that that can help the process, but it's just fun. If you really like food photography, stop motion is super fun yes. and you can just get as creative as you want to, want to be. So, That would probably, uh, that and then Instagram would be my last one. Like we had talked earlier. Instagram is just always going to be hot. I can remember back in 2010, I did a, I was at the Alabama state conference and I was speaking on supermarket nutrition, but I told that whole audience, like content has to be visual for consumers from this day forward. And that has been so true because that was like at the beginning of Pinterest, And I don't even, you know, you can do video on Pinterest, but that's not going to be a trend to watch for sure. But Instagram, the visual content on there, this just the sky's the limit. And and Libby Rothschild has built her business pretty much on Instagram. There's lots of dietitians who are killing Instagram. So if they're not doing video, they're actually
0: probably losing followers and money. Yeah. Before we move on to like how to do videos, can you elaborate a little bit on like how video can lead to more revenue in your business? Like what's the funnel or the mechanism? There's probably, I mean, obviously I think if you have a private practice versus a blog, there's probably different answers, but could you explain that for the people listening, how video can be monetized or lead to more clients?
1: Well, I think the easiest one first is if you're a blogger and you already have brand relationships, what I've seen with dietitians is that they're creating videos within those partnerships. So it may be just a recipe video or it could be a talking head video. I know Holly Granger does a lot of those on her blog and I've done some work with her on working with brands. You know, that's where it mainly starts usually. And then, you know, there's not very many dietitians making videos. There's only maybe three, maybe four of us. That are focused on just recipe videos, I probably do a little bit more. You know, the funny thing is, I never really thought I'd have a, vi- a a business. I never really thought I'd have a business doing videos. Never really dreamed of that, never really saw that in my future. But the more I started doing it, the more I enjoyed it. And then the people in my group on Facebook or in our dietitians on the blog or in your community would ask about videos. And that's how people started coming to me. I have never once advertised for my services ever,
0: but that's powerful. I mean, that's the best kind of referral, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah.
1: all of my jobs have come from Facebook groups.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, so you work with the brand basically or theoretically, and they would pay you kind of upfront to create a video featuring maybe their food product. Is that how it would work?
1: Most of the time, yes. Like it'll be, say it's Bob, Bob's Red Mill, um, and they want a recipe video with some creation you have with one of their flowers. So they would have compensation based on that. And it's going to look different. So if you're doing a YouTube video, those prices could be different than if it's just a recipe video. And I know I've utilized Abby Sharp's media media rate guide for a lot of those things, but some of this is uncharted territory.
0: Yeah. And then is it different too? like, If it's a piece of sponsored content that's going to live on your own website versus maybe creating something for them to put on their website, is there a difference there? There can be.
1: You're getting into more of your legal kind of concerns with licensing and what you want to include in your packages and what, what your business model needs to look like for you. So that is going to depend upon each person. Food companies are really going to be the best people to work with sometimes, but I will say this. I have enjoyed my work with dietitians one-on-one more than anything else. So there is work amongst all of us. You know, we can all share the, share the love, so to speak. So, you know, I, people have given me a chance to create things that I had never done before, like a promotional video for their course. I was like, you want me to do what? I created animated videos for RD to RD for her about about us page. I've done um, an animated. Probably my favorite one is Susie Fisher's Go Meal Plans her animated video i had so much fun doing that one and i did it on a paid platform called powtoon that was super fun so really creativity is the you know your limit yeah how what do you want to do what do you want to play with in networking
0: yeah and already right there you've mentioned you know hands in pans videos stop motion like a selfie version a cooking show version a how to an, like animated, so many different options. So that leaves so much room for you to lean into whatever feels good for you. You know, I love that. Right. And I have
1: to tell you, it wasn't until this year of December of Like that just passed that I decided this is my focus. Like I was still on on the fence of do I want a food blog? Do I do I want to keep myself open for nutrition counseling? Because we're about to retire from the military. So I'm looking at what does my future look like? And this has really become a viable source of income for me. And I've really enjoyed the people that I've worked with. I, I'm continuing to work with. And I think what solidified it for me is that a major company sought me out and hired me. And my pricing was like three or four times my normal rate, you know? Yeah, that feels good, right? <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, people will pay this.
0: <laughs> yeah, For sure. It's
1: so good. So there's a lot of opportunity. And from those recipe videos came, my. they're like, hey, we really like your work. Would you do some stop motion videos for us? I was like, you realize I've never done that, right? And they're like, well, we just really like working with you. And I was like, okay, I'll figure it
0: out. (laughs) Exactly. That's the best. Yeah. So, okay. So just pulling it back, there's, you could get paid to make videos by brands. But what if you're not working with brands and you just have your own business and you see clients? Is it more like... You you put calls to action through those videos or something to get then try to monetize?
1: Yeah. So if you want to monetize, like, so you're doing, you've got
0: your SEO course. Let's go there because
1: I'm taking it and it's fabulous right now. Thank you. So something you may want to consider is doing, you could do a testimonial video where you have other people film their testimonials about your course. You could also do one of just you talking, or you could do an animated video for that. Or you could just do one that has pictures in in words. There's a lot of different options for you. But if you look back to what we were talking about on the benefits of video, you can boost your conversion rates up to 80%. So yes, that's money in your pocket. So it would be interesting if you go that route for your next round. And maybe that's something we can talk about. Just as I would love to see just tracking the results from that, what was before and what's after Because you know, the more a program is around, your sales kind of start dipping down a little bit. It's not as much, you know, sometimes your target market runs a little thin, or it could be the economy is an issue, those types of things. So it's always interesting to me to see how video can really boost that bottom line. And it does. It's just result after result.
0: Yeah. I've done webinars, which I guess is a form of video. (laughs) And those actually do convert really well. I've only done them live so far, but I have plans for after this live round of the course to then move them to evergreen. And I'm super excited to see kind of how that goes. Yeah. You're, I mean, knock on wood so far, my course sales have only been going up, which is like, great. It's a great
1: course. I see why.
0: (laughs) But I think part of that is because when I first started out, I mean, it was like a very low baseline to improve upon. So, you know, it, But yeah, I've been reading and like learning more about this, but also just like, I think part of continuing to grow in your business is continuing to grow your audience and then having structure behind the scenes of like what happens when someone joins your audience and how are they getting to know that you even have something for sale and getting all that pinned down. And I think video, even on the front end of just that growing your audience part, is probably like a really big attractor to you and boosting your visibility. And then you have it all set up.
1: Yeah, it's the no like and trust factor. Yeah. No like and trust. And that's what what is going to boost your business bottom line. And I'm the worst about it. Like, I'll show my face in my group, but I do not want to get on social media and be like, hey, y'all, let's just... (laughs) That's just not normally. I'll post pictures all day long or something about, you know, my advocacy work, but I'm just not that, I don't know. I just haven't, haven't
0: shown my face. Yeah. It's a little weird for me too. Like I have to push myself to do it. It's not like I'm excited to hop on like a video every day, but, but I like to, if that's really not you and you don't, that's not the type of business you want to make, like You could still do video on the back end and just be the behind the scenes video creator for other people's businesses as well. So there's still tons of opportunity.
1: I don't want you to limit yourself on that either. You can be behind the scenes in creating videos, but so maybe you do educational videos that have pictures and words.
0: True. Yeah.
1: Don't necessarily have to show your face. So that intimidation factor is huge for people. It is just so overwhelming and I get it. I mean, I get it. I live it some days. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm in my forties now. My face is saggy. I don't I don't, I don't want to be like, today is not my day. <laughs> so it's, it's huge for some people, but, um, absolutely jump in there and do what feels comfortable for you.
0: Yeah. So if someone's brand new and they want to get started with video, What's kind of like their number one or handful of pieces of equipment that you think people will need or should have?
1: Well, I think before you do that, you kind of have to do an assessment. So you have to kind of have a strategy and, you know, your course is like the perfect example of that. People don't put a lot of strategy behind before they start doing their videos and you have to reverse engineer, like you said, what is your end goal? And then you kind of have to take yourself out of it completely. And I just did a a Facebook live in our group about this and it's really not about you. It's about who you're trying to target and it's about having a very, very clear message. So I think before you even go to the equipment, you have to know those things. And you are just a vehicle to help them get from point A to point B, hopefully benefiting your bottom line. That's the goal, right? Conversion. That's what we want. Why would you be doing it otherwise unless it's a hobby for you? So when you can get to that point, really, you you can do an equipment assessment and use your phone start out with your phone, start out with your iPad. You don't have to buy a fancy DSLR camera to get started. You just don't. And you can do those little clip-on lights. If you want to improve your lighting, they're $10 on Amazon. Super cheap, super easy. If you need a tripod, you can get those under $20. So you may be looking at an investment of maybe 30 bucks for just getting started.
0: Yeah. And is that like, if you wanted to do the hands and pan style video, you could just do that on your phone. Just get something to hold your phone above basically.
1: Yeah. Food blogger pro has a good article on what they use for their phones. They have a tripod that they recommend. I've never used it, but they have one. I started out with a, an arm on a Okay, so this is my story. I took my little bitty tripod, I duct taped it to my Crock-Pot, and I stacked it on some books, and that is how I started.
0: That's perfect. That's the best. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's probably, I've seen some really funny ones on Facebook and food blogger groups, and they're like, share behind the scenes, and you're right, it's totally like some, like a ruler taped to the wall or something. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I started with duct tape and a crock pot.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's great. I mean, you can really make, I feel like you can make it work. If you have a phone, you can make it work.
1: Yeah, and if you could have access to natural light, I think as you get into it more, you're going to want to improve. And I do a mix of natural light with soft boxes now. So if you're really wanting to be serious about like recipe videos, you're going to have to like a a white foam core board would be a great investment to have. So you can bounce some light that you'd probably already have if you're doing food photography, maybe some clamps to help put some stuff up. Backdrops, I think, are a wise investment. You can go to Home Depot and get some MDF and paint it. And you can, it's like a 24 inch by 24 inch piece of wood. And, you know, there you go. Make it whatever you want. I've got plenty of those that I still use. I've got some ink and elm backdrops that are more expensive, but I like how easy they are to store and roll up and they're not big, heavy pieces of wood that I have to move to seven different places every two years.
0: (laughs) I have a lot of those. For people listening, those are just like vinyl prints um, that you can order online. Ink and Elm is the company. And yeah, you can have like a fake marble backdrop. You could have wood. Rustic things, a tablecloth, like basically anything you could think of. Concrete looking. Yeah, those are those can really add a lot, I think.
1: Oh yeah. And I'm dangerous with the sale. When <laughs> they have something going on sale, I'm like, oh, I, I need to stop myself because I love having different options. And I actually go for the bigger ones. And even when I buy MDF at the store, I buy a two a two by four now. Not like a two by four as in like something, you know, you're building your house with. I'm talking about a two foot by four foot piece of wood. So I've started using those. So I have a little bit more wiggle room when I'm filming recipe videos. And if you're going to be doing any type of cooking show or talking video, you really need to look at investing in some good lighting like soft boxes or ring lights. I don't have any experience with ring lights because I wear glasses and ring lights put a lot of reflection on my glasses where soft boxes kind of take away from that. So I don't have to worry about it.
0: What is a softbox? Could you explain that?
1: So a softbox is, it's basically like more professional lighting on a stand. Like it's almost like a tripod, but it's not. And then it literally looks like a square and it's got, you know, your, your high, I don't know, high intensity light bulbs for lighting. And then you put an opaque cover over it. So, it softens the light, which is perfect for anything that has to do with food or filming. So, you don't have like a lot of reflection on, like, if you're using clear glasses or if you're using a glass bowl or if you're using shiny silverware, there's not a, as much of a reflection on that. So, and three point lighting system is usually the best way to go. So, you kind of have one behind you, you kind of have one to the right of you, and one to the left of you. So, it's kind of like a three. It's called three key lighting system, but that's just kind of a general idea. If you're really trying to go for that professional polished, but you don't have to. Like there are plenty of YouTubers out there in dark kitchens. Plenty.
0: Yeah. It's not a not a barrier for getting started.
1: <laughs> we make excuses. Actually, someone just posted in my Facebook group this week about it and they were like really torn up. You know, my kitchen is awful. I mean, I'm in military housing. I have blue laminate countertops. They're horrible. That's not what I'm doing right now. I'm not filming videos. But, you know, if I start doing it again, I'll have blue laminate countertops because that's military housing and that's what I have to work with. You can always ask your friend if you could film in their kitchen if it bothers you that
0: much. That's true. And then what about sound quality? Do your videos usually have sound or do you get music to put in there or how does that work?
1: Okay, so recipe videos have music and there are three sites. I usually go to Audio Jungle, Premium Beat. I think it's Soundblocks is one, but I use Melody Loops a lot. I like that one. You can buy bulk packages of music and it's, you know, you're free to use it after that. If you want something free, go to bensound.com. That's a really good one. That's what I started with. You will hear Ben Sound's music all over the internet. And then the other one that no one really knows about that I love is Purple-Planet. So it's purple-planetthink.com. And um, they've got a lot of great music that's free. You just have to make sure that you're properly citing that it's their music in the comments of your YouTube or your post. That, or you can do it within your video. I used to put music, vibe, and sound really small because that's their terms of use and you need to follow their terms of use. So anytime you buy music, make sure you're reading through those terms of use so you know for sure that you can use that music.
0: Okay, so you you record the video maybe on your camera and then do you put it on your computer for editing?
1: Yeah, so now I would like to point out that you may use music even if it's like a cooking show. So you may have some background music going on. So it's important to know that about the music. Now when it comes to editing... You have a lot of different options. If you're just getting started, start with iMovie or start with Movie Maker so that you understand what it's like to cut footage. You need to have that basic skill down and then adding text. Like how comfortable are you cutting your footage and adding your text? That would be the first two things. Movie Maker, iMovie. Then if you want to try something else, you could move up to something my favorite is Filmora. I love filmora. I think it is the easiest, most intuitive program out there, especially for dietitians, want a more professional presence. And a few more bells and whistles because you're very limited with iMovie and Movie Maker, but you're not as much in Filmora. And you can they have a store that you can buy all kinds of motion graphics and customize them to whatever you want them to be. Um, you can do a lot of customization within filmora and it's like a one-time price. I don't know if it's 69 or 89, but it's a lifetime price and it's yours forever and it will upgrade your software. I still use Filmora for some things, but my next level like for what I'm doing cuz I'm doing more professional editing, I'm using Premiere Pro or if you're a Mac user, most people use Final Cut Pro. And I just don't have a Mac. I have a I have a PC. So, I'm not able to use that fabulous program. I would love to. That's one of my goals. I want to switch. But it's kind of easier if you're doing stop motion if you're already in Creative Cloud and you can go between Photoshop or the other photo editing program, and then you can kind of import into Premiere. That kind of makes that easier, but it's nice to have both. Okay.
0: And then could you, can you add music in the lower ones like iMovie or is that something you can only do on like Filmora and up?
1: I think you can. I think you can add music and text, but you just can't, you don't have a ton of options.
0: Okay. So it'll be a little more bare bones. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But hey, you know, like uh, Shelly Redmond used an iMovie to edit all her YouTube videos. Yeah
0: nothing's stopping her. Good point. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I think I'm wrapping my head around it. So you kind of first plan out why you're doing the video. So you make sure that it fits in with the strategy of your business and then you film it and then you put it on your computer and then you put it into an editing program and you add text and music and whatever, maybe a call to action at the end or something. Yeah.
1: Always a call to action. I mean, that would be the reason you're making it, right? So you'll see on recipe videos, find more recipes at whatever. It's to drive traffic. So if it's about your SEO course, find more, you know, sign up. And here's the thing. You've got to quit giving people an option. So don't say learn more. Don't say find out more. Say buy it now. Tell them what to do. Stop. And women are horrible about this. We don't want to be rude. (laughs) But something I learned with my story brand things that I've been doing, you've got to be very clear about what you want them to do. Sign up today. Don't put it like sign up today. Stop with this learn more stuff. Find out more. Stop it. Just stop that. Tell them exactly what you want them to do because you have their attention. If they've been through your entire video, they're hanging on to find out what's next. So tell them, be very clear about that.
0: That's a really good tip. I probably would do that on like just subconsciously, like not even think about it (laughs) to just, but learn more. But yeah, you're right. They could also buy. (laughs) Okay, so then once it's all edited, then what you export it or something as a video file and then upload it wherever you want to share it?
1: Well, yeah, you're going to export it as an MP4. And some programs don't always, like some programs will export it as an, an MPEG, so that's M-P-E-G, an MPEG, and you'll have to convert it to an MP4 for it to, to play on those platforms. And then you're also looking at what size video you want, but you would decide that at the beginning of your editing experience, if you want a vertical video, if you want a landscape video, or if you want a square video. And a lot of times what I do with those is I start with landscape and I'll save, you know, I'll export that file. Then I'll, then I'll open a new editing session and I'll import the finished you know or copy it over and I'll square it or I'll just make a copy of it and I'll adjust everything and make it whatever size that I want but it really depends so and you know IGTV is letting you do landscape now Uh, so
0: yeah how do you find out like where do you go to figure out the right dimensions for the different platforms
1: you just have to go to their websites you just google it you'll find it okay
0: And then do you store these videos maybe like on a cloud somewhere so they don't take up all your your computer space?
1: So my computer has two hard drives. (laughs) And I also have a five terabit external hard drive. Some I'll keep in my Dropbox for my clients. That's really where I use my storage for my clients. Like they have a certain number of days to, you know, grab the file and, and download it. So I'll have a lot of editing projects that come in that are dietitians maybe sending me their film footage. So I'll also get that through Dropbox and then I'll just return the video inside of Dropbox
0: too? You're probably really fast at it now, but how long, maybe in the beginning, how long should you expect it to take to maybe make a video versus once you get a little faster at it? What what type of time timeframes should people give themselves?
1: Right. Well, you know, there's a lot that goes into video production and people don't realize it. They think, oh, you can just edit this video for me in like an hour. Well, no, <laughs> no, I can't. Like I need some time because I need to first understand if you had a storyboard. So like something I do with my clients, I try to give them as much input as I can. I need to know what your story was. Even if it's a recipe video, like what are your ingredients? What is the sequence of ingredients? Does it make sense? you know, when you wrote the recipe, sometimes it doesn't always line up. You have to also think about what are your props? What's your backdrop going to be? Even down to like, are you going to have like a little um, hand towel in it? What color is that? What are your brand colors? What are your fonts that you use in your logo? Like these are little details a lot of people don't think about. So I lay those all out for my clients within our storyboard, and that's the pre-planning process that really needs to take place before you even set up a piece of equipment. You also have to go and shop for the food. So you're looking at already two, two and a half hours, right? And then you got to produce it. So that with setup and disassembly and the recipe video itself, that can be three, four hours. It depends on the complexity of the recipe. And also if you just have one camera, you may be setting it up three different ways to get the shots that you need because with a recipe video it's it's a lot different you have to get a you know make sure you get that beauty shot you have to make sure that you get a you know a couple different angles to where it makes it a little bit more interesting you of course could always have an overhead shot and just keep it that way no one's saying that you have to do any different but videos perform better if there's more angles and and you know beauty shots involved always that fork in the food kind of moment people love to see. So, you know, it's, it's, a kind of, it's very labor intensive and people don't always realize that. If you're doing a cooking video style with your face showing, that's sometimes a little bit easier only because it's not as much strategy that goes behind it. You should have a storyboard though. I want to really hone that home. Always have a storyboard, have a plan of action, know exactly what you need to do, when you need to do it. Even if you have to use post-it notes, you know, as you're filming. So, you know, step one, step two, step three, practice using empty bowls. If you want your hands to look a certain way, you can film it with empty bowls the first, you know, the first way through it just to see what it looks like and then make changes from there. These are all the little things that, if you're a perfectionist or if you're doing it professionally, you should really be thinking about these things because you, a lot of people don't. And then after you get all that done and you've eaten the food, if <laughs> this is a recipe video per se, then you have your editing time. So you may be five hours in and then it may take three to four hours depending on how long you want it. It could take less than that. It just depends. If you're a first-time client, it's going to always take longer. But if I've been with you for a while, we kind of move through that process a little bit quicker because I already have your fonts loaded, already have your colors loaded, already know the kind of style that you like and the call to action. So, you know, those things make it a little bit more simple. And as you get more comfortable doing it, you're going to get faster, but it still takes in the editing world, no less than two to three hours.
0: Yeah. And I think that's such a good point too. As you grow, just hanging out in food blogger groups and everything. It's a lot. There's a lot of moving parts to running a food blog or an online business of any kind, really. And if you want to bring on video, like, I don't know if I would... I would probably hire out <laughs> to be honest so it's great that like you have this service that you offer for other dietitians too because I mean that sounds like a lot that's like a full day out of the week to make a video and there's are there's already so many other moving pieces to your business too so I think it's awesome that we can all collaborate. And like if one person's good at the writing, they could do that. Another person can make the video. Another person can do all the social media. You know what I mean? And it all comes together. But yeah, I think it's great to hear the behind the scenes of what goes into video because it is a lot.
1: It is. And I just want people to understand, too, if you are going to hire out for a video, please know that it is not like this four-hour experience. It is very in-depth and you know, a lot of people are undercharging a lot for recipe videos. I still feel like my prices are very undercharged.
0: Can you give us an idea like how much would someone expect to pay if they wanted to hire for a recipe video?
1: If you're going to hire professional videography, you're going to pay
0: 150 bucks an hour. That's a good framework. But I do want people, are, some people are probably going to be like, oh, I can never afford that. But there are really big food blogs out there making hundreds of thousands a month. So, you know, it's all relative, might not be able to start yeah. there. But so you're not going to find that
1: as much like people who are doing it for bloggers are doing it anywhere between $50 an hour, probably to probably like anywhere from $30 an hour up to $75, $80 an hour. It just depends and it depends on how experienced you are. But I think you have to be, people need to be very mindful. It is a big job. And if you go out and hire somebody on the economy, think about wedding videos. How much did you pay for your, you know, you're looking into that now, right?
0: Yeah, except we're not even doing (laughs) videography.
1: Oh, it's so good though. But videographers are very expensive. So, but the food and nutrition world is such a niche market. It's a different way of thinking. So even if you hire out, so for instance, I just did a job where the dietitian hired me to do the editing and then she, because I live in North Dakota right now and I'm moving, thank goodness, down to the South. I'm not able to be in the South where she's filming. She hired a guy to come and film it for. who's a professional photographer, right? He's trying to learn video. So he has no, no frame of reference when it comes to working with food and nutrition brands, right? Or thinking about, you know, food placement or, you know, where she needs to be so I can write the text in to her right or left. None of that is, you know, being th- like the B-roll shots. So like it was a some cereals, and I wanted to make sure I had B-roll shots because we had done the storyboard. I knew what the script was. I knew during some of her talking points, we could, you know, go to, you know, the shot of these different serials on a very slow motion. You know, like when you see in commercials, very slow motion kind of thing. That's called B-roll. It's, it's not her talking hand. It's just the B-roll. So I was literally virtually on the phone, FaceTiming with this man I'd never met <laughs> and this dietitian, and it actually worked out really well. We got everything we needed. I was able to edit the videos exactly the way she needed them, got it all done for this brand. Everyone was happy. And it was a really neat, you know, it's a really neat perspective for that photographer because he's never done that type of work before. He's done weddings.
0: Right. Totally different.
1: Completely different venue as in, you know, you really have to think, especially if you're going to work with brands, if your goal is to like, okay, I'm going to just do video only services. And I'm going to work with brands. You have got to have that attention to detail. You need to understand what B-roll is. You need to understand. You need to go beyond the recipe video. So there, there, it's, it's just so open-ended. So open-ended.
0: So before we sign off at the end here, do you have any recommended resources for people to go learn more about video? Maybe your own resources or just other things that you've really enjoyed? I know you've mentioned a lot throughout, but anything off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, um, my Facebook group. Making videos for dietitians, I keep that to only dietitians. And I do that because I feel like there's a lot of fear anyway in video. And there needs to be a safe place for people to be able to ask questions that big food bloggers or other health and wellness professionals aren't a part of. So, you know, I do that for free. That's I'm not always on there all the time, but I try to answer all the questions that I can. I'm I'm doing much better about having things. I just did a Facebook live in there today about Donald Miller's book and how the videos shouldn't be about you. People post in there all the time. It's a great support system. So I'd love to have any dietitians who are interested to head on over and and join our Facebook group. And then my, well, there's two things like Donald Miller's book is really good on story brands. You can Google that. It's a great book just to learn how to make your message really clear. I think it's helped me a lot. And then I created a 2020 video vision planner, and it's a month-by-month month calendar and goal-setting resource for you where you it helps you set your 90-day goals, like what's realistic to you. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to put out four videos this month, and they don't realize, like, it takes a lot of effort and time. So it really walks you through the process of what are my goals? What what do I really need to focus on? I even break it down, and you're going to love this, into SEO keywords. Perfect. Like, do your SEO keyword research before you even produce that video, because it's going to be pointless if it's not, you know, something that people are interested in, right? So I break it down in that way. And then we go through, I have a storyboard in, in there to to help you break down that process. And then at the end of the, of the quarters, we do a quarterly recap of what performed. You can track, there's a tracking sheet where you can track all of your analytics. And then it gives you a brainstorming section to what did well, what didn't do well, and, and kind of like look at the why behind it. So by the end of the year you can look back and go, "Oh, okay. So this did well, this didn't, in this time frame, this was like the summer wasn't really a great time." Those types of things that you wouldn't normally look at. And that's on my website and I have a discount for for your folks listening.
0: Awesome. Should they put in is there a code they should put in?
1: Yeah, there's a code. It is 2020T U R D.
0: Perfect. they Yes. I think I mentioned in one of the episodes of this podcast that I'm trying to embrace the TURD acronym. (laughs) That's the the acronym for the unconventional RD. So we are rolling with it. It's very memorable. (laughs) Well, thank you. That was a really helpful interview. I feel like Even with talking for an hour, I only scratched the surface. (laughs) There's so much more to learn. But yeah, I agree. Your group is fabulous. I've seen people even go in there. You know, if they're just getting started with video, they'll even post the video in there for feedback from people, which I think is really valuable. Yeah. And I just love that we're getting out there and we're doing it, you know, and it's not going to be perfect the first time, but you'll only get better by practicing. So, Yeah. Thank you for making that safe space for everybody.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this today. And I really hope to see more people start jumping on the video bandwagon because they're really missing out if they're not doing it.
0: Yeah. I guess one last thing. Can you just say the name of your website URL out loud so people can check it out if they're not on their computer right now?
1: Oh, yeah. So it's BetsyRamirez.com and it's under Nutrition Resources. And I don't have it up on Artie to Artie yet. My planner can only be found on my website, but, and that's getting a makeover. So, in the next couple months. So, that's going to be exciting to see me actually go in a direction.
0: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and-
1: See my work there.
0: Yeah. Is there anywhere else people should connect with you? I mean, obviously your Facebook group. Do you have any other social media handles you'd like to send people to?
1: You can find me on Instagram at bets B-E-T-S Ramirez. And I'm on there. I'll do a lot of behind the scenes when I'm filming there. So you can connect with me there.
0: Great. Well, thanks again. This is really informative. And I feel like I'll have to have you back in the future to talk about next year's trends <laughs> once that time comes around.
1: I'd love it. I would absolutely love it. Video marketing is never going to get old.
0: Agreed. Well, thank you. And for anyone listening, you can check out the show notes on my website. Thank you so much for being here. If you are looking for the links to anything that we mentioned in today's episode, just go to theunconventionalrd.com slash episode zero eight. And I wanted to sign off today with just a quick reminder, if you are not in the Unconventional RD community on Facebook, I'm here to invite you to join. There's nearly 8,000 amazing people in that group right now, a lot of dietitians, a lot of students, a few nutritionists and other wellness professionals, but seriously, it's a wonderful place to connect and bounce ideas off of each other, cheer each other on while we all work through this crazy life of online entrepreneurship or even just entrepreneurship in general. So if you haven't joined already, just search for the Unconventional RD community on Facebook and check it out.